0: Mac Power Users, Episode 727, The Productivity Field Guide. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined, as always, by Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hey, David. How are you? I am great. We are the Mac Power Users, where we help you become the master of your Apple technology. Today, uh... Today, we got a special, a very special episode of the Mac Power Users. Are you old enough to remember when they used to do that, Steven, on TV?
1: Like a special, a epi- special like a, episode? Like a special crossover? You know, you're watching ER no. and some doctor from another show shows up?
0: No, when I was a kid, a very special episode was when, like, you know, when the main character uh, got drunk or had some drugs or had some real challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. Very dramatic. A very special episode where Alex takes too many, uh, Uh, pick me up pills or something i don't know it was was a thing back in the day you
1: certainly had a type of tv show you enjoyed (laughs) that's what we're learning
0: oh no they were it was like comedy shows would do it that was what was weird about it you know Mm -hmm. and they would say it's a very special so it'd be like a typical sitcom but suddenly the main characters like got serious problems and Mm. and we'd all watch it together it was a big deal
1: but no one has serious problems today
0: Uh, apparently not apparently not especially if they're productive, right?
1: Hey, yes. Yeah, See so what you, I did there? Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, no, you're, yeah. Yeah, you've are Yeah, you buried the lead. You're the man of the hour this week because uh, you have launched a new field guide, and we're going to get all into that on this episode. And on more power users, the longer ad-free version of the show, there's a link in the show notes. You can check it out to learn more. Uh, we're going to be talking about our plans for the Apple Vision Pro. Apple recently announced that it's going to go on pre-order at the end of this week and ship the very beginning of February. We're going to talk about our plans and uh, the questions that we have, because at this point, Apple hasn't really told many people what's really happening when orders go up.
0: Yeah, this seems like the the least, you know, the the, the most opaque launch I've ever seen in terms of what's going on here. But we've got lots to talk about on more power users today, so, yeah. so we'll do that. So you have your... New field guide,
1: uh, the productivity field guide. We're going to get into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, but first, I kind of want just kind of want to set the stage, and I want to start with the word productivity. As you said in your blog post, sometimes that word has like negative connotation or bad vibes attached to it, uh, as the as the kids would say. And I would love to know your take on that and why this field guide kind of stands apart from some of that stuff that people see online and maybe feels a little cringy.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I was just thinking, thinking about my comments earlier. This is a very special field guide, right? Because most field guides I make are like how to master obsidian or how to, you know, make shortcuts. And you know, it's really kind of nuts and bolts, productivity, uh, use of your Apple technology. That's my thing. Um, but along the way over the years, uh, two things happened. First is I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago, I started to get serious about the idea of productivity and what it meant for me and kind of what my purpose is to get hippie for a second. And and I, uh, I kind of went on a little journey with that and kind of came up with a solution that I largely kept to myself. But then people would be, start writing me like, oh, you know, you're a lawyer, you're releasing all these things. I'd love to know your secret for shipping all this stuff. And and that got me thinking, well, maybe I should share what I do because I've got like a system. But then I also thought, well, I'm not like, I'm not like one of those productivity guys. You know, I mean, there, there are guys out there that make a living talking about this stuff, who, are, who read every book and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that, that's not me. Um, but I do have a system that works for me. And it, it did have a lot of intentional thought in it. So I started seven years ago writing a book about how I do it. And, um, that is, it's the most on again, off again project I've ever had. Like I'd start it and then I'd like get close to finishing it and I'd be like, ah, oh, nobody wants to hear me talk about this stuff. And then I'd set it down and I'd come back to it and the emails would continue. And I was making the the focus podcast where we kind of talk about this stuff. And, and eventually, um, the, the sign wave got to a point where I had had built the productivity field guide and, And I launched it and uh, it's been very successful. I've been very happy with it, but it is just different for me. And to get back to your question, I I think the problem with the word productivity is it's become synonymous with kind of life hacks. Like the idea of like, if you're productive, you can handle your email faster. And and we talk about that stuff on the show all the time. I think that's a, that's a good thing, but that's not actually the big capital P productivity. Mm Mm-hmm to me you know productivity really means are you working on the important stuff and ignoring the unimportant stuff like right. that's that's the thing right i mean we all have limited time. we none of us have enough time to do all the stuff that's being demanded of us so can we put on our big boy and big girl pants and figure out the stuff that that's important enough to break through and how do you do that and that's what this guide is about it's not in fact it's you know you're not going to get um uh, quick tips for OmniFocus in this guide. It's really more about figuring out what's important in your life and, and sharing the system I use to do that. And, um, and I, you know, that's why I was a little nervous about releasing it, but I've been super happy since it's been out because so many people are like totally getting it. And, and, uh, so I did that.
1: Yeah. One thing that I really love about the Sealed Guide is, that you keep that you repeatedly throughout it ground it in those real world things. Right. I think a lot of writing and talking about productivity is is a little little pie in the sky, like not not really grounded kind of where the rest of us are here on earth. And I think you do a really good job in this of returning to that over and over. It's like, well, what do these decisions actually mean in my specific relationships? What does it look like in my specific work? And I think that's important because I, I think without that uh, you do kind of stray into that territory of um some of the the negative feelings some people have about this stuff but um yeah uh but yeah i mean uh congratulations on the launch it's been it's been exciting we're gonna talk about the backstory in a little while but i know it's been one that's been in the hopper for a long time and one thing you've done with this is something you've done on a couple of your other recent uh field guides where you have a couple of different editions could you explain those differences to people
0: Yeah um so the field guide itself is 50 videos 5 hours long and um this one has a book in it because I'd been writing this book for all these years so if you get the this what I call the standard edition it's 50 bucks you get the book and the 5 hours of video courses um, but I've really enjoyed with the last couple of them adding on an extended webinar series. I, you know, the fancy term people use is cohort. I'm not really sure that's what I'm doing, but it's a webinar series where the people that get in get to go through kind of the course where we go through it together. There's some, you get to work with each other. Um, we had questions and answers. I have guests in and we go through the topics of the course in greater detail. And then we record those. So if you can't make it, you get to watch them. And like on the, the Obsidian one, I it was going to be a six-part series. It ended up being a 10-part series because I had more, you know, I found more stuff to talk about along the way. So we got an additional basically 10 hours of content in the course. This one is starting out. We've got 13 of them booked. So it's going to go for most of the first quarter of this year. Uh, but it's you get this webinar series. And, and then the other thing you get is there is now a community. I, I use teachable as my backend and they've added a community feature where you can have like a message board. And I thought for this one, that would make sense because you know, when you're talking about developing your, you know, your guiding roles and RTA and things we'll get into later, it'd be good to be able to talk to other people about. It. So I, I created a, like a little, you know, community for it. So, so the standard edition gets you the, the five hours plus the book, the plus edition, which is a hundred dollars gets you both of those things. Plus the webinar series and the community, and and it's just a way that allows me to you know um, to bring extra value, but you know it's going to take a lot of time and money, and I got to hire people to help with some of the edits and things. So so it's going to cost more money, but I think it brings additional value. And what I found with the Obsidian one is the people that went through the Plus content really got a lot out of it, and and it you know and a lot of them came back with this one. They immediately went for the Plus version. And it's just uh, it's really nice for me too because it helps me you know be able to keep making these because I'm making enough money off them that I can afford to and but it also allows me to what I feel like deliver the entire experience to the customer like uh, the people that that got the plus version a lot of them so far that already got it have gone through a lot of the material and now they're looking forward to you know getting their questions answered and talking to other people as we go through these webinars so. So you've got the two options. You know, if you don't want to spend as much, that's cool. You're going to get the basics. If you want to get the the plus version, that's there for you too. And it's been a really good uh, model for me.
1: When you build a, a field guide, when you're kind of in those starting steps, I know this one has been a long-term project. So maybe it's a little bit different. Are you now thinking from day one about standard versus plus? Like, is this going to be a part of it moving forward, do you think?
0: Uh, probably not all of them. Some of them, I don't think it makes sense to do a webinar series. Like there's a couple titles I have in mind that I don't think really justify it. Um, but if it makes sense, I'm going to do it. Like Obsidian made sense. This one makes sense. Um, but going forward, it's going to be a case by case basis, really. Mm-hmm.
1: There were a couple of things I just wanted to throw in here about the production of these videos. Because I know you've been hard at work at uh, increasing your production value uh, yeah. And the, the new studio looks so good on camera. That back wall with the textured wood, like it—it it looks so good. Um, the first thing I always notice because it's the beginning of each of these videos is your Vesta board openings are so good. The sound, the letters clicking and clacking over. Yeah, thanks.
0: Well. It makes me yeah. want one real bad. Hey, well, this one I felt like because this is such a different feel. Game. Normally, I use a, a you know a graphic titling at the beginning of each video, but this one is so different. This one is really not about the apps. So I wanted to signal that somehow. And so I set up the Vestiboard. I shot all the titles. I shot the transitions. Actually, when I first did it, it was like eight or nine seconds to do the full transition, you know? And and some of the early feedback I got from the lab members was like, I really like your Vestiboard, but waiting nine seconds at the beginning of each video isn't cool. And so actually I switched that out. I reshot them and I did it's just like the the end of the transition. So they're much shorter. Uh, but I think it came out really great. And I I really love the Vesta too. And, and honestly, one of the reasons I built the studio was this productivity field guide because I knew I have a lot of video of me talking to the camera. And, you know, historically, my field guides are, are heavily screencasted, right? You know, it's you looking over my shoulder at my screen, me showing you how to do something. But this one is more about, you know, figuring out what's important to you. And it requires me to talk to you face to face kind of. And I didn't want them to be like, you know, hostage videos, like a guy sitting there in front of a white wall looking at a camera. It just, you know, I really wanted it to to be an enjoyable experience for the people who watch these videos. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, I built this room is I had this field guide in mind as as I was picking that wall. And the other thing I did is I threw some more money at the problem and I bought a second um, a slider um, for. And so I had, for each shot I had, I had a camera facing me head on, but I had another camera on the side that was sliding back and forth. And then, you know, using Final Cut, it's very easy to, like, jump between those. And then that way, at least you don't have to just look at me, look at the camera for five straight minutes. You can have occasional videos sliding back and forth. And another thing I did is I hired a Mike's wife, Adina Hurley, is a, an outstanding artist. Mm-hmm. And she made what we ended up calling stick sparky. And she would watch the videos and say, oh, I'm going to make a sparky here on a sailboat or something. And so she made images that we would drop in occasionally to anything we could do to break it up a bit. So it's not so monotonous while you're watching them.
1: I think it's really nice. And the the slider thing, I think some people overdo that in video, but it's so subtle. I, I, you're moving the slider very little distance and very slowly. Um, yeah. And it really looks nice. What hardware are you using for the slider? Like, Is it is it motorized? How does that work?
0: I got the iFootage one, which was recommended to me by a listener uh, who is uh, somebody who does more of this. And it's really small. It's 16 and a half inches. But it, it slides on like two axes, so if you put it on a tripod, it goes thirty-two inches. But it doesn't take up a lot of space when you're not using it, and it's like stupid easy to use. Like you put a battery on it, you set the camera at the beginning point and the ending point, and you just say go back and forth, and it just does that. I mean, it, it's I would recommend it if you want to get into this. It's very easy to use, though, and I will. Uh, I want to credit JF Brissett. by he he does a lot of editing for me and he kind of took the lead on editing those slider videos and he has a nice touch, right? It, he didn't like overdo it. And he, he hit the camera beats kind of based on what I was saying. So it didn't seem completely random. So I thought JF did a great job of like getting the balance of that. Right. But, but I I do think it helped. You know I mean? I, I really, like I said, this is such a different topic for me and I knew it was different. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about how to do it. Like, I also did some top-down video of me doing some of this stuff, analog. And I just really wanted to make it an enjoyable experience. And I, I know there are people out there in the world doing a better job of production than I am. But I am trying to get better at it.
1: No, I think I think it's definitely improving each time, and I do like the mix of the overhead shots. You have some screen capture stuff, which I always think of as like the classic Max Sparky thing. It's like yeah. screen, really nice, highly produced screen capture stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, the production looks great, and uh, I know you work hard on that, and it it is really, I think it's really paying off.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well this this was a this was such a different title. Like I, the next one I make will not have. Nearly as much complication involved, but mm-hmm. the uh I, I think it came out good, and I'm I'm proud of it, and you know like you said, the vesta board openings are different, the multi-cam all this stuff, uh I think helps kind of get the point across of of why this is important, and and right. hopefully helps people out.
1: And now the vesta board is a business expense. I mean, I see what you did right. Like it's just yeah, there you go.
0: It's just there right there. Well, I've used it in the labs quite a bit too. And then the other thing I do with the Vesta board often is when I do like webinars or I show up to speak for something, I just put it right behind me and put the title or the link or whatever on it. So it's, um, it's actually served. It's actually served its purpose pretty well. I, I, uh, it's ridiculous how much money I spent on it, but you know, I, uh, I still really like it. it makes me happy. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by One Password. Go to onepassword.com/mpu to get 20% off your new plan and start protecting yourself, your family, and your coworkers today. The days of managing your passwords in a text file or a notebook those are gone. We need powerful password protection these days because the bad guys are always looking for ways to get into our data. And moreover, it's more than just passwords at this point. We also need to be able to deal with storing secure information. We also need to be able to deal with the fact that some of these websites we deal with get hacked and we don't even know it. That's why Steven and I are both avid users of 1Password, and we have been for years. 1Password is a security solution. It's not just a password manager. It handles all that stuff for you. 1Password gives you what you need when you need it. If you need passwords, checkouts, if you need to protect your banking information or credit cards, it also makes it easy to share. You can set up shared password vaults for easy family or team access, so you give everybody just what they need. And you can quickly share any 1Password item from your desktop, app, or even the browser. Watchtower is one of my favorite features of 1Password. That's where they keep an eye on the internet for you. And they let you know when there are compromised websites that you deal with or have passwords for. But it does more than that too. It lets you know passwords that are vulnerable or reused. If you've got weak passwords, it points them out. And it even points you to unsecured websites that you're using and encourages you to get on secured ones. If you've got sites that you work with and they add two-factor authentication, one password lets you know and puts it in Watchtower so you can go set that up. If you're interested in setting up passkeys, that does that too. It shows you the sites and the vendors you deal with that have passkey support. They've just got the entire security suite handled for you, and I love that. When password is secured by design, they have a secret key for your account password that only you have, providing a unique layer of security. So they can't see the passwords or sensitive information stored in one password. They can't share it, sell it, and Neither can anyone else, and they're verified by experts with regular third-party audits and the industry's largest bug bounty to help them act on threats before they can affect you. I just feel safe with 1Password. I've been using it for a long time. I feel like these people really care about protecting my privacy. Somebody needs to look out for me, and 1Password is the company to do it. You can show your support by the Mac Power users to go to onepassword.com/mpu and sign up there. You get 20% off, and you get some excellent protection. So thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users.
1: I want to talk some about the system that you lay out in the field guide. We're not going to give away all the secrets. People should go check out the field guide, of course. Um, but one thing that really jumped out at me, and it's a big pillar of what you talk about, and you've talked a lot about it on the show as well, is this roles-based approach to productivity and, and really to life and how that contrasts with goals. Uh, listening back to our recent journaling episode and some others that you've talked about, this has been woven into what you've been talking about on Mac Power Users for a long time, this idea that you as a person occupy these different roles, whether it's uh, a spouse or a partner, a parent, a co-worker, an individual. And this really is a lens that you look through uh, basically everywhere. Could you expand upon that a little bit?
0: yeah I mean, for me, just a little backstory, right I um out of law school, I got married, had kids, got a mortgage like everybody, right? You get started with life and I was this trial lawyer for a long time, and I was living uh, from job to job, basically, you know, or, or trial to trial. and you know you're doing your best to to be a dad, you're doing your best to to, to win your cases and, and do all the various things in your life. And I always felt like I wasn't really holding it together that well. Like, I didn't have a framework for my life, if that made sense. You know, you just do the best you can with what you're dealing with today, and everything's a little haphazard. And I knew that wasn't good enough. But I honestly didn't really get serious about fixing that until, like, my early 40s. I'm 55 now. And 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 I went for, like, 15, you know, 20 years where I, I didn't really have much of a plan. And um and I knew it and I I just avoided it because I knew it would be a lot of work to figure that out. Right. And I was too busy with everything I was doing as it was. I, I feel like a lot of people have a similar experience. Like and and I've heard since I released this from a lot of people that have gone through that. And and um and so I started getting serious about it. And at the time, you know, I was reading a lot of stuff. I've always read productivity books. I started with Dale Carnegie and kind of worked my way through the lineages. Um, but, you know, a lot of it was like what they call core values or or um, goals-based productivity. Like, pick a big thing. Like, you want to write a novel and then build your life around getting the novel written. and And that never really landed for me because I felt like it was... It was uh, temporal. Like, you know, okay, well, let's say you write the novel, then is your life over? I mean, or you have to like start over again? You know, it just never really made sense to me. And then uh, core value kind of systems always felt really nebulous. Like, well, how do you decide which is a core value and how do you compare them when they when they conflict with each other? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I started um, writing a lot, like sitting down and just writing down what I'm thinking about my life and, and what's important to me. And and it really came out over the course of, of writing a lot of pages that the thing that's most important to me is is the roles I play. You know, I mean, it's very important to me that I take care of my wife. It's very important to me that I take care of my kids. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I started these roles just kind of naturally grew out of it. And I think of it really as three categories. There's like outward-facing roles, like husband, father, brother, friend. You know, that that's that's a group of roles you have. And then I think there's the work role for me. It's Max Sparky, but for the longest time it was Max Sparky and lawyer. But then I have the inward facing roles, which are like the you know um, healthy and uh, physically fit and you know spiritual and you know those types of things, things that you you think about yourself. So I I decided that that was going to be the foundation of the system. About I don't know twelve, some yeah you know, twelve fifteen years ago. So Mm -hmm. I started writing these roles down and and I said, okay, that's it for me is these roles. And so that has always been the focus and it makes it really easy to do things technically like in OmniFocus, I have a folder for each role and I can see what projects I'm doing in each role. And, you know, in my calendar, I have roles in the journaling. Like you were saying, how this bleeds into the show is, is I've made these roles like kind of the the lingua franca of my life and it it goes between all these different apps and i can always kind of see how i'm doing in any app because i've got everything categorized and the other benefit of it is if something shows up that doesn't fit into a role it makes me think well do i need a new role or is this something that isn't important because if it doesn't f- serve a role then maybe it's not something i should be doing mm-hmm. which has led to me turning down a lot of things over the years because i'm like oh that's fun and interesting but doesn't really fit into an existing role, and I'm not willing to add another one. Uh, the The roles thing also was very uh, beneficial to me in deciding to give up my my fancy lawyer job because um, over time and reflection, I became increasingly aware that I had the Max Sparky role had a lot on its plate that I wanted to do, and I was more interested in that than the the lawyer role. And if it became uh, possible to do that and not go bankrupt. I I realized that was important to me, but it was because I had the roles that I was able to reflect on it. So it's given me a, a really excellent system to kind of judge my life and, and keep track of things.
1: I think it's interesting to compare this to the concept of areas of responsibility, which is a, a big thing in GTD. It's definitely how I kind of approach like my organization and Todoist or Apple notes or, even my email is kind of this area of responsibility. What is my domain when it comes to different projects at work or at home or whatever, but the roles based approach is almost a level higher than that. Do you think that's fair?
0: Yeah. And that's the point to be the top level, right? The thing that that stuff attaches to. Uh, and the other benefit of the roles is you can prioritize them as you decide them. Like for me, husband is number one father is number two max barkey isn't until number four you know Mm -hmm. and so it helps me decide you know how to deal with it i mean as we're recording today just a little behind the scenes my daughter's in florida her car is here we've got to ship it there and um and she called me well she gets through she gets through my focus mode when we're podcasting she hardly ever calls me so we stopped but that's because she's number two and Mac power users is part of my max Sparky number four. And that said, Steven, I got to stop and take this call. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, that, that is like just a a practical application of that. And, and you see it when you get challenged, like, well, should I be working on this thing or that thing? If you've got your roles prioritized, a lot of times you've already made the decision. So you don't have to struggle with it.
1: That's really what I like about it. And I think when you can be clear with the people in your life about what those roles are in the organization, like I, both as a fellow dad, but also a friend of yours, like, yeah, of course, when your daughter calls, we're going to pause the show, right? No second thought on my part, because I know that's one, how you're going to operate, but two, how I would operate as well. And I think that clarity is really important. And I think that's, that's one area that I've really focused on maybe the last two years or so of kind of uh, backing away from the areas of responsibility quite so much. I still think for me personally, that works well as like a nuts and bolts way to organize my task list. But in terms of the way I think about things and the way I prioritize things, the roles based approach has made a, a big difference for me. Because it brings that level of clarity that when the phone rings or when you get that, you know, that text message or that email and something comes breaking in, you you almost immediately know, okay, where does this stack up versus the mode I'm in right now? Is this something that I'm going to pause for and go handle or is it going to wait because what I'm doing is organically more important because of the role? That it falls under. Uh, I think it's a super smart and clever way of thinking about this and really impactful because it gives you that clarity.
0: Yeah. And, and it starts out, the course starts out with me helping you how to figure out what your roles are. And, and I use it through, um, I use the analogy of carrying water. Um, Merlin man had that great analogy years ago saying like, you can't put, um, two liters of water in a one liter bin or something. And, and that really is a visual thing, you know. As we take on so many responsibilities, we physically can't do it. You know, we just can't. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so I encourage you to figure out your water. You know, how much water are you carrying? What are you doing? Write down for a while, and then start categorizing that, and your roles emerge from that. And you know, it's all this stuff just takes time. You know, it's it's this is also a weird field, guy, in the sense that I give you assignments. I, I don't do that normally. I don't say, okay, now go write a keyboard maestro script, you know, that's silly. (laughs) And this one, I give you a little bit of homework as you work through the course. And so the idea is, you know, okay, let's figure out what your roles are and get them prioritized. And then that leads into, for me, the, the big part of this is the RIT.
1: Yeah. I did not expect when I started going through this a couple of weeks ago to be uh, schooled in ancient Greek, but there I was. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, this is the this is the the funny part of it, and this is, I guess, to the extent my take on productivity is different than most people. Um, So, when I was an undergrad, I studied ancient philosophy. I was that was like a thing. I was really into it. I read Plato, Aristotle, Saint Thomas Aquinas. I mean, all the way through, you know. And and I really enjoyed reading those classics. And the thing that fascinated me back in nineteen, you know, what eighty eight, was how these these you know thousands of year old guys were struggling with the same questions that we struggle with today right I mean in a lot of ways Aristotle was asking the same things that we're asking now I mean when you yeah. compare the the time you know in 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 you know at the time they lived in a society that everybody pretty much had or at least these guys had a roof over their head they had food on the table so their basic needs were met but then they were saying well how how do i enjoy how am i happy as a human it was a huge question for them and they thought about it and when I, I i use the i always use this summary and, and i know greek and ancient philosophy professionals are going to argue with me but i think my take from reading a lot of this stuff is um, a lot of the schools not all of them but a lot of them kind of came to the conclusion that the the recipe for happiness is that you live in accordance with your principles and ethically like you figure out what it is that's important to you and you live a life dedicated to those things. And you do that ethically. And if you do that, you're happy. And it's not about accumulating money. It's not about answering 20 emails in a time. It takes 10. It's, it's about pursuing the right things and doing it ethically. And, um, and that really resonated with me. And, and just to give a little more backstory, When I got in law school, and I share this story in the course, but when I got in law school, I got a a merit scholarship, which was great because I came from a family. We didn't have any money. So um, getting through law school without having to pay a lot of money each year was a great thing for me. But I had to stay at the top of the class to keep the scholarship. And I was super freaked out about it when I started because law school is not like any other school I've ever been to. They don't have quizzes and midterms. You You don't get you have no idea if you're any good at it. The, there's one test at the end of the semester and that's your grade in the class. However you do on that test. So here I am showing up at law school, knowing that I've got to stay at the top of the class, but I'm not going to know for six months if I'm any good at it. That's the kind of thing that can give you a little anxiety, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I went back to to Aristotle and, um and I thought about this term of RTA. So Arete is a term it wasn't just Aristotle used it. A lot of guys back then used it. Um, uh, um, Stoics Stoics used it. Who are Stoicism is very popular now, but but even more kind of the Aristotelian school was saying uh, "areté" is a term they use. Uh, it's often uh, translated in modern English as virtue, but I I argue with that because I think it really is more of like excellence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like virtue has like a Victorian virtue kind of it has. Has a bit of a, a different feel to it, modernly, but but by virtue they meant virtue entirely as a human being—that you're, you're virtuous man, virtuous woman, and um, and you know, like the best version, uh, kind of thing. And so I I thought about that when I was dealing with this this problem in the first year of law school. I said, well, why don't I adopt this arite? You know, seek the my arite as a law student, which doesn't mean I do well on tests, but means that. I study everything, I read every case, every case I read, I read the cases that are referenced in the case. You know, I, I just do, I put 100% of what I have into being the best possible law student. And then at the end, it doesn't matter. If I get the scholarship, that's great. If I don't get it, I'll know that there was nothing I could have done more, right? Right. So so I pursued my and, and it and it worked, you know, I got good grades, I kept my scholarship and it was a great thing to get me through. But like a bozo, I left that term at Pepperdine Law School. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't take it the rest of my life. And so, so then fast forward like 20 years, and I'm trying to struggle with my life and figure out what's important to me. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing roles are important. I'm like, well, how do I judge myself on these roles? How do I decide if I'm actually doing good in these roles? Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of like got a bolt out of the air. It's like, Arate, yeah, the same thing I did back in law school. It's like I had the answer 20 years ago and I just left it there. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's almost embarrassing. I I talk about it in the course. I mean, it's like when you realize, Oh yeah, I had the answer my twenties and I didn't pick it up again until I was in my forties. And, um, but all So what I did is once I picked my roles and I I decided, well, what's the best version of me in each one of those roles, you know, what's the best possible husband, the best possible Max Sparky. And I, I define that. And then now when I sit down and do reviews and look at my tasks and my projects and everything grows out of this RTA, it's like, how do I get closer to that in the next week, the next month, the next quarter? And, and that's, that is the, um, that is the, the cycle I'm on. Right. You know, and I get all of this feedback and, and I'm always looking to get a little better at it. And when people ask me, well, how do you do all this stuff? Well, I pursue my RRT. And that's really the foundation of it. And there, there's a lot more um, stuff I go to in the course because I feel like I, I feel like modern kind of productivity techniques are also important. You know, the hyper-scheduling, the, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that I do to kind of make that happen. But it all serves up to the roles in the RRT. You know, everything I do is seeking to make a better version of myself. And then I can use all the cool tricks so long as they're serving that. And then suddenly everything kind of gets easy. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I I think there's a lot of overlap there with the, the rules-based approach, right? If you know that you are pursuing excellence in whatever area, whether it be school or work or, or whatever, it, it, pre- it creates that framework you said it perfectly a second ago that you knew that if you got to the end of the semester and the grades weren't what they what you were hoping for then you knew you hadn't left anything on the table right you weren't going to be playing the game of oh i, I wish i had done this or i should have done that because you made a decision to pursue it to the best of your ability and i think in a in in one sense that requires some amount of foresight, you know, that, Hey, I know that there's this thing at the end of the road and I want to be in this place with that thing, with that relationship. Um, but I would also say that in looking at that, it doesn't mean that you, you can't start now. Right. I think sometimes in these conversations, people feel like, I know I've certainly been in this place of like, well, you know, I, I've had this, uh, this area that I feel like I haven't been doing, the best that I could, that I haven't been pursuing excellence or been my best version of myself. And it's kind of e- kind of easy to just like throw your hands up. But I think you're actually saying the opposite. Like there's no better time than to start now because you know what you can do.
0: Yeah. The Chinese proverb about growing a new tree. What's the best time to grow a tree 20 years ago, or what's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago. What's the second best time to plant a tree today today, you know? And, yeah, exactly. And, um, I got a, um, cause I released the course to the labs members before it went out to the public. So there's some people that have been working with his materials. We record now for three or four weeks. I got an email from a labs member who's 86 years old. Wow! First of all, I love that I have an 86 year old labs member.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And, and he said, he's going, is sitting down with his wife and he's designing his roles in RTA for, for his life right now. He says, I wish I had this material when I was in my 20s, but I'm 86 and I'm going to do it. And it made me so happy to read that. And I wrote them back and I said, I wish I had this material when I was in my 20s too. So you're okay. You know, it's like, I I put this together about, I I don't know, because it kind of came over organically. Like I found roles and then it took me about a year to realize RTA is, is the measure. And the thing about the RTA is now in law school, I used it in one dimension. RTA is a law student, but now it's RTA for me for everything but you know when you read the greeks they talk about the virtuous man or the arete and I, it was always a struggle because it's like as everything you do how do you judge yourself and uh, like be am i virtuous on a whole i think that's very difficult but to me breaking it down by each role is something very easy to digest and judge yourself on and and try and improve upon so so anyway it just took me a long time to figure this stuff out but it's mm-hmm. been working for me now for a long time and I eventually decided to to do this course, but I even wanted to like have more experience with it before I started talking to people about it. But it's just been a really good foundation for me. It is the system I will use for the rest of my life. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to app shop my uh, framework. I've, I've got what I want. Yeah. Um. I actually like the fact that this term RTA, cause I like connecting myself to Aristotle because I feel like, yeah, this is, I'm not out on an Island here exactly humans have been struggling with this forever and 3000 years from now people are still going to struggle with this but I, mm-hmm. I you know i've got this foundation that goes back thousands of years and it's a bit of my own interpretation and my own kind of slant on it but at the same time i feel a connection and that that gives me like something solid to build upon
1: and if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast in the episode 3024 uh, send us an email. You know, yeah. so let us know if you're still struggling with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of the the sort of more concrete things uh, in the field guide is the use of reviews. And this is something that I've really become convicted of. Uh, really, when I first went indie, now like nine, almost, well, eight and a half, nine years ago, of sitting down and actually taking some time and trying to be objective about it, about where I am in terms of all of these things um i tend to do this quarterly but you speak about uh, annual quarterly monthly and weekly what are some things if if people don't have a review system in place where would you where would you have them start
0: well i I think that if you're interested in like roles in rta the whole thing is improvement cycles like you write down what the ideal husband is and you say okay Um, this is where I'm doing good, this is where I'm doing bad. But, you know, in the next three months, I'd like to get better at doing this one thing. Like, you know, when Daisy, she went back to work with a jobby job about a year ago. And that's like, one of my reviews was, okay, what is the household stuff I can do now? Like, how much laundry? How many nights can I have dinner on the table? Like, what are the things I can do to make her life easier? Because that's what the perfect ideal husband to her would do as she's trying to adjust to a career, right? So I, I made a list of things to do. And it's like, it's very, it gets practical at the end. Like, how do you, what action do you take in your life to improve upon that? But, but I do that in these, in these feedback loops. And to me, quarterly is the key. Like you, you're, if you're just going to do one quarterly is great, but you have to do them. Like once you decide what your roles and your I take, you have to sit down once in a while and say, well, where am I doing well? Where am I doing poorly? You know, what, what action can I take in the next three months to, to get closer to that ideal. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. But I do it um, quarterly. The primarily one for me, the big one is quarterly every quarter I go through. And not only do I I judge myself on them, I also look at the definitions to see if they've changed. Uh, I talked about this in the course, but I've had a lot of changes with my RT for my kids as they've got older, because the things they need as an ideal father at, at you know, when they're in their twenties is different than something they need when they're 12.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so th- that, that stuff changes over time. And then I kind of, make my game plan. And it's very rewarding at the end of that quarterly review to see all these things I've written down. I'm going to do to get closer to that ideal. And then in the next you know, three months I can look again, but I do check-ins on a monthly and a weekly basis. So I'm constantly looking at this stuff. It's always at the top of mind. Like I've got, I've got the thing written down in a book. I've got it in an Apple note. I've got it in obsidian. So I've got stuff all over the place that constantly is reminding me that I'm trying to pursue this. Which leads to another bit of interesting uh, questions I've got since I released this. A lot of people are like, yeah, but you're never going to get there, right? You're never actually going to get to the ideal version. I'm like, no, I'm probably not. But it doesn't matter. It's the pursuit of it. It's the activity of trying to become the ideal version that you get all the benefit from. It doesn't matter if you get there or not, as long as you're trying.
1: One reason I, I really like the quarterly review is the the cadence really works for me. I feel like if I if I look at my year and I divide it into to four roughly equal sections, then it just makes a lot of sense. Maybe that's because I have school aged kids and it's like we're already kind of on the, you know, quarterly or semesterly, like everything revolves around that in our household, it feels like. But, you know, for me, when I was getting started with it, now it becomes very natural. Like I kind of can feel when the end of a quarter is coming up almost, like, hey, yeah, I have like sat down to write about these things or like go back over my notes on these things for a while. So now I kind of sense it, but you know what I did in the beginning? I just made a repeating task. It was that simple of like, Hey, hold your quarterly review. And, uh, I know in the guide you talk about the different ways you can do that. For me, I have an Apple note for the year, kind of looking at some things that I want to accomplish, looking at those roles and then there's a header for each quarter and it lets me kind of get a, a bird's eye view and I can go back. I've got, uh, this is my fifth year now kind of using this system. And it's amazing to look back on occasion. I don't do it every quarter, but occasionally, usually at the end of the year, I'll look back over the previous year too. And and you can really see those changes. And when when I do those quarterly and I'm successful at that, I can really, I can see the changes in these areas. And for me, that's a great way to sort of fight off uh either frustration or like oh I wanted this or this to happen and it didn't We're like I'm leaving breadcrumbs for myself so I can go back and see the decisions I made the things that went into those and it's it's a very useful tool I'm really glad you included the review cycle in this cuz it it is it's been really critical for me over the years so. yeah
0: I mean wait until yeah go back and look at your review from 5 years ago especially if you like on a roles based system and see how much progress you've made it's it's shocking if you, if you stay with it, uh, the, the, the big inspiration for me on the quarterly thing was a book. I don't remember when it was released, but I read it years ago by Brian Morin and Michael Linnington called the 12 week year. And the idea was, you know, if, you know, the, a year is too long to like make goals and projects because, you know, as humans, we have to have a shorter time cycle. Cause if we plan that, like, I'm going to do this big thing this year, you just don't even think about it till October, right? Because yeah. in January, the end of the year is so far away, right? And then you don't end up doing it. Giving yourself that sense of urgency to say, well, I'm going to do this in the next 12 weeks. That's a different thing, right? And um, and that, so that's one of the reasons that I, I leaned into this quarterly thing. Mike and I talk about it on the Focus podcast all the time. But I, I feel like a quarter is a great increment of time because you can really move the needle in, in 12 weeks. Um, but it's short enough that you can also get that, um, feedback loop. And like, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like if you have something like last year, we had a family thing that came up that took a lot of my time. And when I looked at my review of that quarter, I'm like, well, I didn't really do much of the stuff that I wanted to, but, but I actually did a lot because there was something on a more important role that became important. And I gave that the time it needed. And I felt good about the quarter, even though I didn't do the stuff I had planned on. And, um. And then you just say, okay, well, in the next twelve weeks, let's fix it, and you do, you correct yep. over time. Yeah. So it, it it really is very adaptable. Uh, part of the trick of all this stuff is to not be too hard on yourself. It's very easy to like beat yourself up. That's that's not the goal here. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, the review cycles are the way that 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 gives you the reps to get better and pursue the RRT. Yeah. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com MPU and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain using the code MPU. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. These days, you do need your own website, and Squarespace makes it ridiculously easy to make a beautiful, powerful website. With Squarespace, you can engage your audience, sell anything, your products, services, and even the content you create, And Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. With Squarespace, you can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling immediately. And when your customers go to purchase, they get flexible payment options. You can make checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment tools, accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and offer customers the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay and you'll know what you need to grow your business with analytics. With Squarespace, you can learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. I've been using Squarespace websites since Squarespace was a brand new company, and I cannot recommend them enough. It's just so easy to get started with Squarespace. And they do have a really powerful tool set there. So whatever it is you want to do with your website, they've got you covered. There are some truly remarkable business and personal websites on Squarespace out there. Anybody can make it. It's affordable but powerful. So if you want to learn more, check out squarespace.com MPU for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com MPU and use that code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Our thanks to Squarespace for bringing us all easily accessed and powerful websites for so many years, and all of their support of the Mac Power users and Relay FM.
1: So you've talked some about this idea kind of surfacing for you back in law school. I assume back then you didn't think one day I'll make a field guide out of this. So what was the turn from this being something that you were using and thinking about to it being something that you could help others with.
0: I've got like reviews going back 13 years, but the Arate didn't show up till 12 years ago. And like, so it's like all this stuff just kind of um, evolved for me. But as I was busy and Max Sparky was getting more successful and I was getting a bigger reach, a lot of people were writing saying, I don't understand how you do it all. Yeah. Like, and and people were specifically asking, make a field guide explaining how you do it all. That's the one I want, you know? And, and so, and that started like 10 years ago or so, I mean, back very early in the process. And, and I I didn't feel ready to share it because I'm like, uh, you know, first of all, it's like, okay, let me explain to you. I'm using a Hellenistic based uh, theory (laughs) on an old word. And it's like, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm sure people have already turned the show off because of that. Right. But the, um, but that was what I was doing. And it's like, how do I explain that? And, but then I started like toying with the idea of maybe doing something with it. And in fact, it predates the time that I moved to teachable and started making the field guides primarily video because I started writing a book. And I first started writing the book and iBooks author, but then iBooks author kind of died and I moved it over to pages. And I've, I've had this book like bubbling in the background for years that I'd write on and then I'd stop. And and i was looking and i found some files seven years old on this project that i had worked on so wow. this has been going on for a long time and then like i would get to the you know i would always i always thought this was a january release i think that's when people are in the mood to think about this stuff and um and so often i would kind of get close to it and then i'd back away from it you know um adina you know did some of that stick sparky stuff years ago and And she was telling me when I told her this year, I'm like, no, or at the end of 2023, no, I'm really going to get it out. She's like, she says, that'd be great. I'd love that. Cause every year I wonder if this will be the year that you finish it or not, you know? (laughs) And, uh, you know, so like the, the, it's a lot of videos and like all the videos, I shot them two years ago when I, before the studio was built the last year before the studio was built, I shot them all in the yellow room, you know, where I was working out of during pandemic. Yeah. I shot all those videos already once you know and then i looked at them and i'm like they're not good enough they look like hostage videos you know i mean it was it was just not good enough and so i i just i think i've got them around here in a folder somewhere but I, I just they just i didn't use any of that stuff i came back and did it all fresh again uh leading up to the release of this one and so this has been a project that i have struggled with i mean it's it's kind of funny because i you know you've heard of the term imposter syndrome but i did feel it a bit because people are used to me talking to them about technology. They're not used to me talking to them about Aristotle and RTA. So I, I didn't know if people would even want this message. And, in, you know, when you make one of these, it's actually quite a bit of money and time that you put into the development of one of these field guides. I thought, well, I'd, I'll feel silly if I make this and nobody buys it. And it was just like this passion project that nobody cared about, you know? But so I went back and forth on the, kind of the, that, but, But then as I started sharing it with people, and I think the Max Sparky Labs helped a lot because I was teasing some of this out in the Max Sparky Labs, and some of the labs members really connected with it. And I start to think, okay, well, this could help more people than just me. So I decided to just get it done. And it's funny because I have an old friend that I sent a copy of this to who's kind of into what I do, but not super techie, you know? and and he wrote me as i was finishing it up cuz i sent him an early release and he says you know i don't think this is you this is like i don't think this is your what you do as max sparky i think that you're making a huge mistake here i'd encourage you just just let it go you know and it was like at the very end like and it was like it was not mean advice it was mm-hmm. somebody that like likes loves me and is trying to like protect me from making a fool of myself and I slept on it. I'm like, nah, he's wrong. I'm going to do this. But, yeah. but it was like, you know, even at the very end, I almost pulled the plug on it. You know, it's just such a, such an unusual title for me. Cause that's not what I, I never have any of those feelings making one about OmniFocus or shortcuts. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's your you will. But it was, and also it's uh, the videos are frankly pretty personal. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a little bit vulnerable really when you talk about this stuff. And um, so it's just a very different thing. So, so it had a long journey, a long incubation period, but in the end, I'm very happy and proud of what it's done, and the feedback has been amazing. I mean, it's like I always get testimonials when I release a new title, and uh, the testimonials I'm getting on this one are just amazing because people are, are are changing their lives with it, and you know that that's not something I ever expected to to do with a field guide.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and you talk about it and the guide a good bit that the fact that this has been such a long process, that is something that you first came across all those years ago and it resurfaced for you later. Like that grounds it all in a way that I think, uh, even if someone, even if it's not for them or they're like, Oh, you know, the, the classic internet stick to tech, which boy, that comment gets under my skin sometimes. Um, that it is personal, right? And and watching these and and listening to your voice talk about these things, like you can tell it's really personal. And I think that gives this field guide uh, a platform to stand upon that that makes it okay that it's different, right? I think if this was your first one or your second one, it'd be different. But because people know you and your work that you've done and your thoughtfulness and these other things, now they kind of see like behind the curtain a little bit, like oh, this is to go to go back. We said a minute ago, this is how he does all these things. But more importantly, this is why he does all these things. And I think that the, the sequence of those things, you including the backstory, you including all the history. I think all of that, um, I think all that really is important to it. And I'm glad that you, that you included it.
0: Yeah. And and even though I'm not the uh, productivity guru and I don't, you know, I don't specialize in that stuff. I do ship. You know, I I've yeah. proven that the system works, you know, mm-hmm. and um and and yeah. I really I've just been so happy with the feedback. I uh, this, you know, regardless of how many copies of this thing I sell, it's just the fact that people are getting it and using it. That's what I wanted and I am thrilled. I'm just absolutely thrilled with the initial reception of this. I should have mentioned earlier uh if you use the code PFGMPU you get 10% off, but but yeah, it's just um it's just been just been awesome, you know, mm-hmm. getting it out. Pe- people are loving it and uh and I've now got a whole bunch of people out in the world pursuing arte which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. A Couple of people have written me and say I don't like your Greek stuff. I'm just going to call it perfection. I'm like, what you know, use whatever word you Find want. Find your
1: word. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. One thing that I have been curious about, I haven't asked you yet cuz we've been talking all week about how it's going is I know when you have a field guide on a technical topic, you sort of expect a set amount of customer support things, right? Like maybe they have questions about an included workflow or like I know when you do shortcuts, you include a lot of example shortcuts people can take and remix. This isn't like that. I mean, you mentioned that that you give homework in this, but it's not like you can give somebody uh, a a keyboard maestro macro so they can work out their roles. And so... Yeah. What has that been like? From like sort of the not necessarily like the feedback, like "Hey, I love this" or "Hey, I think you're you're uh, a crazy hippie," but like, what does support look like for uh, a guide like this?
0: Well, you know, you even has been interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do know because it went out. The lab members got early access, but the um, you know, it's it's questions about like, well, how do you know? You know, like some people go through the carrying water exercise and says, "Well, I've identified a role here." that I'm not actively pursuing, but now I'm interested in it. How do I incorporate that? You know, people asking mechanical questions about how they incorporate things they're learning about themselves. And so it's more productivity focused, or I, I hate to use the word productivity. It's more kind of life roles focused questions. Mm-hmm. So just implementation details. And you like, in the course, I do some screencasting, like, how do you figure out your roles and I do it and I do all the stuff in like Apple notes and like the most basic apps I can use. I use you know When I talk about block scheduling, I use calendar instead of fantastic Cal because I didn't want this to be a field guide about like making people feel like, Oh, I've got to learn obsidian to do this. No, you yeah. could do this with a piece of paper and a pencil.
1: I noticed you even said that a few times, like use the tools that you have.
0: Yeah. I mean, whatever you're comfortable with because the hard work of this system is not learning an app it's figuring out what's important to you but the payoff is now you know what's important to you so when people ask you to do things you can measure it against that and saying no gets way easier and you know you feel like when at the end of each quarter you've actually made progress on the things important to you and you're not wasting your life so it's just it's really that's what i'm aiming for here with this one and then that's why it's such an unusual title but but it's uh, it's a lot of fun getting it out there, and and I'm I'm very uh, happy with the response to it.
1: Good, uh, I think you should be, and uh, I'm so happy that people are responding to it. I, I was not uh, worried about that because I, I've heard you talk about these things for so long that I I knew they were going to resonate with people. But I'm sure it is scary to hit you know hit the publish button on something that is that is really different from from what you normally do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I did get a few of those emails, you know, you know, stay in your lane emails, but, yeah, but overall people have been very supportive and yeah. you always get some negative. I mean, anytime you do something, in fact, if you don't get some negative, then you're probably not taking enough risks. <laughs> yeah. The, no,
1: or no one's paying attention. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, on the back end, another thing I've done is because of this process, you get a lot of feedback on yourself over time. Like you go back and say, what were the concerns i had six months ago 12 months ago how am i doing on that stuff and i I noticed doing my own quarterly review at the end of the year that like a a recurring theme for me is the amount of time i spend on administrative stuff you know because i have the field guides and labs and there's there's a lot of stuff that comes in like people need to consolidate an account or they're having a problem with some you know whatever and I've always done that myself, and, uh, like, that came out of this. is like, oh, you know what? I don't have time for that anymore. I'm going to hire somebody to do that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's something I've been doing. And, and that, and I've got a person who's 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 testing the job right now, so we don't have a commitment yet, but this person, if, if he ends up doing it, it'll be great. But, like, with this release, it's been awesome in the sense that we've been getting back to customers faster and doing a better job because I'm not doing it all. Mm-hmm so that's been another nice bit of, um, of d- a difference with this release for me is like, yeah, so I can focus on the questions that people have about the system and let the, the more administrative stuff go to the, to the helper. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by indeed go to indeed.com slash MPU and join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide using indeed to hire great talent fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. When you're hiring, I feel like there's two things you need. You need someone with the appropriate skills, but you also need someone with the appropriate attitude. Going through Indeed takes care of that first question for you. It only gets you those matching candidates that give you the skill sets you need. Then you can go through and find the right fit for you. And leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get their jobs more visibility at Indeed.com MPU. Just go to INDEED.com slash MPU right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the Mac Power users. Once again, that's Indeed.com MPU. Terms and conditions apply. But do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM.
1: So what's next? This one is out. I know this has been uh cooking for a long time. Uh you mentioned the the webinars for the people with the uh the the plus guide.
0: Yeah. That's gonna be a lot of work, you know. I yeah, mean, weekly I'm sure. webinars and um and and from the om- from the obsidian one, hundreds of people show up every week. So you really want to deliver the goods and then you want to get them turned around. So the people who can't make it can watch the the video and, uh, and this one, because it's such a hippie topic, it's going to be, you know, personal. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also, you know, I, I'm acknowledging that I'm going to be busy with that for the mm-hmm. next quarter. Yeah. The other stuff that's up next for me is, uh, I feel like part of the, the deal with my field guides is I often give free updates to them. Um, and especially on apps as they do kind of incremental updates. And I haven't been delivering on that the last couple of years because career transition, building a studio, all this stuff, you know, I'm, I am I want to get into the saddle on that. Like I, I think probably before the end of this quarter, it's, it's one of my goals for this quarter is to ship an update to the a free update to the keyboard maestro uh, field guide. Cause they've done some big updates. I want to make a series of videos. So the people who have that will get the most up-to-date videos and, there's a couple others I want to start doing that on. I've got a couple titles in mind for this year, but, you know, my goal right now is to start getting some free updates out and get through this webinar series.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking back through the library now, just as, as you're speaking, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. And I, I'm sure it can be um, maybe a little overwhelming to try to pick what, you know, what gets an update when. I don't I don't envy that, but I'm glad that you do it. And I think it adds real value to uh, to what you make.
0: Yeah, I mean usually what I do is I do free updates for incremental updates to the software. And when they do um like a major update, if I have to reshoot the whole thing, then it's a new version. And mm-hmm. you know, if you bought the prior version, I give you a discount and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think probably Omnifocus will be next on this list. I haven't firmly decided that yet, but I, I'm kind of leaning in that direction. But right now I'm I'm really focused on getting these webinars and making them as good as possible. And, and honestly, as much as I've enjoyed the productivity thing, I also really like just making the traditional Max Sparky field guides where yeah. it's about technology. And I'm looking forward to doing some of that. It, it is uh, emotionally draining making this productivity field guide. And there's <laughs> it, it, not as much invested in the other one. So, so I'll, you know, do that. But I also, now that I've got productivity out there, I want to stay engaged with it. And I want to continue to kind of push the needle forward on this idea of roles based productivity and arite. Um, because I, I'm already seen that it can help people. And, you know, the real goal of my life at this point is to help people. And, and whether you're 86 or 20, I'd, I'd like you to, to consider using this system to kind of give yourself a, a framework.
1: Yeah. People should definitely go check it out. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I usually fall into one of those camps that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Like I think the way a lot of people talk about productivity is, is not really for me, but I really did connect with this one. And I think, um, I think in particular, the, the roles based, uh, view of things, um, even though that's echoed some of the stuff I've kind of found naturally over the, the last couple of years. Um, I, I've, I, I walked away with a lot of stuff to implement sort of in, in the way that I approach things. And so for that personally, thank you. Um, and again, congrats on shipping this. Um, I think people are going to really find it meaningful.
0: Yeah, You know, it also just feels good to ship this one because yeah. I didn't know if I would, you know I mean? There's a part of me that thought of um, that would just that that's something that I would play with, but never actually release to the world. If there was one that I thought would never ship, it might've been this one. I was doing an exercise last year, uh, early last year. Uh, the The Greeks called it momentum mori, the idea that, you know, now none of us live forever. Right. And, it's like, what's important? You know, and like the exercise is like if you just got hit by a bus and you're sitting on the side of the road, what's your regret? And I thought about it for each role. Mm-hmm. Like, my what's my biggest regret if I if I drop dead today with my wife, with my kids? And and I decided to act on those. And what my biggest regret for Max Sparky was that I never shipped this productivity field guide when I went through that exercise. So that was kind of the impetus about last March that said, you know what, I'm going to get this thing done and it's going to get out in January. And so I did that and that feels good. You know, when you, when you check that off. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this very special episode of the Mac power users. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't Talk much about apps or workflows, but if you're still here, that means you're interested. And I, I really appreciate that. You can go check it out at learn.maxsparky.com. The course is there. Use, uh use that code uh, PFG MPU for 10% off. And you can get that. That's for a limited time, by the way. So uh, go get it. And, um, thank you to our sponsors today. One password, Squarespace, and indeed We're the Mac power users, you can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. And we'll see you next time.